an epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. There's plenty to celebrate in March. And ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscored team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscored.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. The 2020 MLB season will be one like any other that we have seen before. A 60-game sprint in just over two months to decide who will be playing in October in a format that lends itself to the unpredictable. But that's where Greg Peterson comes in. He's got you covered daily, highlighting elements and angles that will be essential to know along with his picks with every single game on every single day. Now it is time for the Baseball Betting podcast with Greg Peterson. Hey, warm hello. Welcome to lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. We've got a great show for you. As in the second segment, Andrew Kaylee of Covers is going to be joining me. We're going to be talking to him just about what he's noticed from the first couple weeks of the season. We're also going to be talking about a couple games for Thursday, so that's going to be terrific in the final segment. I give you a sign in total on what is a little bit of a shorter MOB card for Thursday and a little something I like to call Touch Em All. First things first, always love to be able to answer your Twitter questions. If there's something that you'd like to answer, fire that into my timeline at JarenScorty1. As per usual, if you send these via DM, aka direct message, well, those letters DM to me mean does not matter, but we did get in one today, so let's dive into it. So you have questions, and Greg may or may not have any insight into them, but let's dive into the Twitter mailbag. We get this one in from Mr. Degenerosity on Twitter at MRDegenerosity. Very good Twitter name. That gets an A-plus for me. And he asked at GRS41, out of all the rookie pitchers coming up this year, which ones do you think are going to be something special? And I really do like what I've seen out of Brady Singer so far for the Kansas City Royals. We were talking a little bit about this guy with our good buddy Dan Zaborski a couple days ago and the fact that the Royals have went with some of their younger arms. I don't know if Chris Bubich is necessarily going to pan out the way that Singer does. I think that he's got a little bit of upside. And then I think that Christian Javier is going to be able to do a little bit of something for the Houston 
Astros. They've been able to get something out of Andre Scrub in the bullpen as well. The Astros have been able to. Obviously, Jesus Lazardo and the currently injured AJ Puck are guys that I have on sort of the watch as well. And this guy's not a rookie, but he's a second-year guy, Zach Gallon. He has went 19 straight starts to begin his career with three or fewer runs given up. I have to throw him in there because I think that he's just so badly underrated. He gets a little bit of credit from me. And if the Tigers are in the hunt and they really want to make a playoff push, hopefully we see Casey Mize. This guy just has absolute wipeout stuff. The former number one pick of the MLB draft. I hope we get to see him. He's been able to do something special. And for the Detroit Tigers in general, they've been doing a good job with their bullpen. Gregory Soto was a failure as a starter, but he's actually been a good relief arm. So I do like what they're getting there. So those are some of the guys I look at. Obviously, a few other second-year guys like an Adrian Hauser of the Milwaukee Brewers. He's been able to do a solid job as a starter. Randy Dominic, who saw a couple starts for the Minnesota Twins last year, has really been doing a good job this year as well. So those are some of the guys I really take a look at, obviously. If I were to break down every one of these rookie guys, it certainly would take a while, but those are just ones that jump out to me, so hopefully you guys appreciate that. Always love the questions. Now let's take a look back at everything that we saw from Major League Baseball on Wednesday, try to find some trends and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. A games from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the Rowdy Recap. It was a great day if you're a fan of the Snakes. The... Arizona Diamondbacks wound up having a bottomless top of the seventh inning as they wind up getting a 13-7 win over the Colorado Rockies. Going into that inning, game was tied 5-5. Arizona Diamondbacks strike for eight in that inning, and it was a Marte Parte that was going on for the Arizona Diamondbacks. How about Mr. Sterling Marte being able to get things with four home runs, his second home run of the year, and only one home run for the Diamondbacks. They actually have the lowest rate of home runs per at-bat out there in the major leagues, but they've now played three straight overs on Coors. They certainly were able to get right there. Luke Weaver, he still doesn't look right. 11.85 ERA for the year. He gives up four runs over the course of three and a third innings. He's given up four-plus runs in every one of his starts, but Taylor Clark was able to give five outs. He winds up giving up a run out of the bullpen. You then also had Mr. Hector Rondon, who feels like he's been in the league for forever. He winds up giving up two runs in a third of an inning, but the bullpen by and large, was able to do their job for the Colorado Rockies. You had Antonio Zenzatello out there probably a little bit too long. He winds up going six innings, but he gives up five runs, including that home run. And then, oh boy, this is a ERA killer. Tyler Kinley, he winds up going out there. He doesn't get a single out, and he gives up five runs, all of which were earned. That, needless to say, was not very good. And for the Colorado Rockies, you had Nolan Arenado get not one, but two home runs in this one. For him, those are his fifth and sixth of the campaign. Ryan McMahon was able to go deep off of Mr. Luke Weaver as well. His second, and of note, Charlie Blackman entered into this game hitting a 500 4 in this contest, so we're certainly going to be keeping our eye on him. Something else we're keeping our eye on, the Milwaukee Brewers and how badly they're struggling. They wind up getting just completely lambasted by the Minnesota Twins 12-2, and it quite frankly wasn't that close because in the fifth inning the Minnesota Twins were up by a count of 11-0. Byron Buxton, a pair of home runs in this one. His fourth and fifth of the season. Not necessarily a guy you'd expect to have a bunch of power on Miguel Sano. Don't you know he was able to go yard off of Eric Lauer, his fourth of the year. Why the Brewers are starting Eric Lauer, nobody knows, but he wound up going three and two-thirds innings and he gave up seven runs all of which were earned and then in this one things got really grim as Justin Grimm comes into the game in the fourth inning and he winds up getting injured in the fifth he had given up four runs in two-thirds of an inning Eric Yardley had to come in from and then you wound up having Jed Gurko 
having to pitch the ninth inning. That's how you know things are going bad. Meanwhile, for Kenta Maeda, things were going very well. Six and two-thirds innings, he does give up two runs, but certainly was able to do the job. Then you had Lewis Sorp being able to give two relief innings, and for the Milwaukee Brewers, a team that had, in this game, one player leave the game that saw that bat with a batting average above a 286, and that'd be Luis Arias, who just got activated for the team a couple days ago. So, needless to say, things are not going well there. Things are going well for the Chicago White Sox as the Southsiders wound up getting a 7-5 win over the Detroit Tigers. If you're Matthew Boyd, things are not going well for you. Over his last 22 starts, he has an ERA north of a 6-5, giving up 2.55 home runs per nine innings. In this one, four and two-thirds innings, he gives up seven runs, off which were earned, including two bombs. He has not went past the fifth inning in any start so far this year, and he's given up at least four runs in every start. So, if you're one of those people on the Matthew Boyd hype train, I don't know what to tell you, because the bullpen from there winds up coming in for four and a third innings of scoreless baseball. Jose Cicerno, Gregory Soto and company, they were able to do their job, but they were just put in too big of a hole for the Detroit Tigers offense. You were able to get a little bit of offense going as Jonathan Scope was able to go yard. That is his fourth home run of the campaign. And then at the third base spot, a little bit of a new face for this team. Willie Castro was able to go yard. That is his first home run for the White Sox. Dylan Cease winds up getting the win, and it was a very strange line for him. He winds up going six innings. He gives up those two home runs. He gives up a grand total of five runs, but only one of which was earned. So I don't know what to tell you there. So that was something that you just don't see very often. Meanwhile, the bullpen of Alex Colome, Evan Marshall, and then you also had coming into this game, Jimmy Cordero, were able to go three scoreless to be able to shut things down for the team. So White Sox wind up getting another win. And for the Detroit Tigers, still doing quite well, 9-7 record. So they have a lot to be celebrating there. You have a lot to celebrate if you're the Oakland A's as they have won 10 out of their last 12 games after a two-game losing streak to get back on the horse. 8-4 win in this one. For the Oakland A's, they were able to hit a trio of home runs. Stephen Piscotti is second of the campaign. Matt Olson is sixth. And Robbie Grossman is third. Griffin Cannon got completely canned in this one. He winds up going a grand total of four innings. He gives up four runs, including all three of those bombs. From there, the bullpen was not necessarily great. Kenyon Middleton winds up giving up two runs, and he only records one out. Felix Pena gives up a run. And then you also had coming out of the bullpen for an inning and giving up a run in the process, Mr. Jacob Barnes. And for the Angels, they were able to get some power in this one. Mike Trout now has seven home runs since coming off of paternity leave a little bit over a week ago. His eighth of the campaign and Anthony Rendon seems to be getting acclimated to life out there in LA. His fourth, he's still hitting a buck 80, but over a 400 on base. And for the Oakland A's, Chris Bassett was taking hook, line, and sinker for those two home runs. Five and two-thirds innings, he gives up four runs, but the bullpen of the team was able to do a rock-solid job. Liam Hendricks closes out things in the ninth. Joaquin Sora, the eighth, and then Jake Diekman and Yasmero Petit were able to lend some scoreless outings as well, so they were able to get the job done. The Cleveland Indians, for the second time this year, give up more than four runs in a game, and they've come in back-to-back games as the Chicago Cubs wind up taking them down by a count of 72. For the Cubbies, you wound up having a little bit of power in this one for both Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo for Rizzo, his fourth home run on the campaign, and for Bryant, his second for the home run of Rizzo that came off of Mr. Carlos Carrasco, who did not have the start that he desired. Four and a third innings, five walks, he gives up that home run, three runs, all of which were earned, and then every one of the relievers for the Cleveland Indians gave up approximately one run. That'd be Oliver Perez, Adam Simber, along with Nick Whitgren, and James Carnick. So that was very interesting. And for the Cleveland Indians, nothing doing for the team. They wind up leaving eight men on base. The offense has been 
been very bad. And Kyle Hendricks, typically a guy that struggles on the road. Very good start. He winds up going six innings. He gives up one run. From there, you had a run given up by Dan Winkler, but by and large, the Cubs' bullpen was not necessarily terrible. They gave up one run over the course of three innings. They actually entered into this game with the worst bullpen ERA out there in the big leagues, and that might be exceeded by these two teams as the Miami Marlins and the Toronto Blue Jays played a wild and crazy 14-11 game with the Fish being able to go home with a win. For the Miami Marlins, they wind up blowing an 8-0 lead in this game, but they come back for three runs in the 10th inning. Jordan Yamimoto, not necessarily the start he was looking for. He gives up four runs over the course of three and a third innings. He now has a 9.82 ERA, and then from there, Nick Vincent gives up two runs out of the bullpen. Brian Morin gives up two runs. James Hoyt gives up a run. Brad Boxberger gave up back-to-back home runs, and for the Toronto Blue Jays, seven home runs in this game. Travis Shaw goes deep twice for his first two home runs of the season. Tasker Hernandez is fifth. Rowdy Telez is second. Vladito Jr., Vlad Guerrero is second. Danny Jansen is second. Bo Bichette is fourth. But what was really bad, the fact that they couldn't get anything going with their pitching. Nate Pearson winds up giving up four runs over the course of two in the third inning. Jacob Wag is back. He winds up giving up four runs, two of which were earned in two and a third innings. And for Pearson, I should actually correct that. Seven runs given up, but only four were earned. So there was that. From there, you wound up having a couple guys being able to come in. You had someone like a Shun Yamaguchi who comes over from the MPB. He was able to lend some support. Ryan Baruki was able to do a good job as well. But then out of the bullpen, you had Rafael Dallas. He winds up going two-thirds of an inning. He gives up three runs, one of which was the Ghost Runner, so only two of which were earned. And this was just an absolutely wild and crazy game for a Miami Marlins team that all of a sudden, they're starting to play a couple overs. Three out of their last four games have went over the total, so they certainly have been just getting things going with that regard. A team that's really getting things going as well, how about the Kansas City Royals who are winners of five out of their last six games? They wind up taking down the Cincinnati Reds by a count of 5-4. to four. They wound up getting a 5-0 to zero and they nearly gave it up but with the Cincinnati Reds, a couple missed opportunities. They go 0-7 with men in scoring position and for Wade Miley, certainly it was not a party for him. He winds up going one and two-thirds innings. He winds up giving up one run in the process. Tyler Molly, typically a starter, he gives up three runs in three and a third innings in relief. Someone that has already started for the team this year, TJ Antone. He winds up going two innings. He gives up a run Wade Miley is just setting this team back, and that's putting it very politely. And for the Cincinnati Reds, they were not put back by these guys as they all went yard. Jesse Winker started the campaign. Freddie Galvis is third. Josh Van Meter, his first. And for the Kansas City Royals, Brad Keller wound up giving the team a solid start in this one, and then the bullpen nearly blew it. Six Royals settings for Brad Keller. Very good considering his home and road splits are a little bit demonstrative, but Ian Kennedy gives up three runs without recording it out of the bullpen. Scott Barlow winds up giving up a run as well, but Trevor Rosenthal, he gets three walks in the ninth inning, but he winds up being able to get out of it. So he was able to do just enough to be able to preserve the victory for the Kansas City Royals. Victory was preserved in New York as the Yankees get a 6-3 win over the Atlanta Braves. The Yankees wound up giving Aaron Judge a day off and a big reason why is because they wind up going against Huskari Yanoa and you know what? He gave up two runs in an inning pitch. From there you wound up having to go to some of the long guys. Taylor Madzek. He winds up giving up two runs over the course of two and a third innings. Josh Shomlin. He winds up giving up two runs as well. To the credit of this team, Will Smith, A.J. Minter, Shane Green, and Darren O'Day, their more trustworthy bullpen arms, they were able to close out the last three and a third innings. And a good sign for this team was Johan Camargo going yard, his third of the season. And for the New York Yankees, Zach Britton did a good job of closing out this game as Masahiro Tanaka. You can tell that he's being eased back in there, so that way he's not to knock it around. Two runs given up over the course of four innings. Jonathan Luizga winds up getting the win. He wound up pitching two scoreless innings. Caleb Green, Luis Avilan, Adam Adovino all look good out of the bullpen. You did have a run given up by... 
Jonathan Holder, but by and large, his team was able to do the job. And then Gary Sanchez, someone who's been off to a rough start this year, his second home run of the year. And we can expect to see this guy a little bit more. Clint Frazier gets a home run and a double in this game. First game of the season that he saw action in, he goes three of four, including a solo shot. I don't understand why he's been on the bench so much for the New York Yankees, just probably due to sheer depth, but he certainly was able to get the job done in this one. Someone else that got the job done, the New York Mets offense. They wind up taking down the Washington Nationals by a count of 11-6. It was a bullpen game for the Mets as Robbie Gazelman got the start. Not necessarily the start he desired. He winds up giving up three runs in two innings as he gave up a home run to Juan Soto. His fourth of the season, that was a three-run shot. Rest of the guys from there weren't necessarily terrible. Jurisic Familia, who has been known on this podcast as blown save in Spanish, he gets four punch-outs and he went two scoreless innings. From there, you had Dylan Batances being able to do a solid job for this team. You did have one run given up by Justin Wilson. You also had Brad Brock along with Drew Smith giving up a run of the bullpen. But by and large, they did a solid job. But for the Washington Nationals, this is a team that... They just need more out of Annabelle Sanchez. Another bad start for him. He winds up giving up five runs over the course of two and two-thirds innings. For Annabelle Sanchez, he's had three starts so far this year. He's given up at least four runs in every one of them. From there, you really need to get some length in. It got really bad when Ryan Harper came in the game. He gave up five runs in an inning. And Eric Fetty-Wapi gives up one run over the course of two innings for the New York Mets. They had the long ball going. Brandon Nimmo is third home run the campaign. Dominic Smith is third. And Pete Alonzo, someone who certainly has been scuffling for this team, he winds up being able to go deep. He gets his third home run of the season. For the LA Dodgers, they wound up pitching a shutout to one of the hottest offense out there in baseball in the San Diego Padres. 6-0, they get the win for the Padres. This is a bunch that it was just nothing doing for this team. They wind up leaving nine men on base, and they wound up getting a pretty solid start out of Zach Davies. He gives up two runs over the course of seven innings. He did his part. Craig Salmon, he just wound up getting lit up out of the bullpen. He winds up giving up four runs over the course of an inning. Now a 788 ERA for him. And for the Dodgers, they were really able to strike in that eighth inning as Justin Turner down for what? A three run home run. His second of the campaign, they wound up having to go with Tony Gonsolin for a start in this one. He didn't necessarily give length, but he didn't give up any runs over the course of four and two-thirds innings, and he was able to get eight punch-outs. Blake Tryon, Pedro Baez, Scott Alexander, Kenley Jansen, and Rosado Gratal were all able to come in in relief. They piecemeal those four and a third innings together. They get as a collective 14 strikeouts, including Mr. Gonsolin, so they were able to get the win in that one. Speaking of being able to get the win, that's exactly what the Tampa Bay Hot Shell Rays were able to do against the Boston Red Sox. Nine to five the final in this one. If you're looking for something encouraging for the Red Sox, they were able to strike for those five runs in the eighth inning, headlined by a J.D. Martinez Grand Slam, his second home run in the campaign. That should get him going. And Ryan Weber, in relief, was actually terrific. Six innings, and he gave up one run. Problem is, Zach Ungar awful, put the team into an ungodly awful hole. He goes three innings and he gives up eight runs, all of which were earned, including three home runs. Going deep for the Tampa Bay Rays in this one. Austin Meadows, his first of the campaign. That one was off of Weber. Rest of these were off of Zach Ungodly Awful. William Thomas is first. Brandon Lau is fourth. And then Yashimoto Sutsogo is second as Blake Snell, his longest outing of the year. He had been going like three innings to begin the year. In this one, he goes five. He doesn't give up a single run. Meanwhile, it was Aaron Slaggers that gave up all those runs. He was really slagging up his ERA. He winds up giving up five runs over the course of two innings. Peter Fairbanks, along with Nick Anderson from there, are able to go scoreless innings, so they were able to hold down the fort with that. A team that was also able to hold down the fort, that would be the Houston Astros. They wind up taking down the San Francisco Giants by a count of 5-1. For the Houston Astros, a very good start out of Zach Greinke. He winds up giving up a run in the first inning, but six and a third, giving up that one run. Bullpen from there, they were able to do their job. Blake Taylor was able to give this team a scoreless inning, and then they were able to get five outs out of Brooks Raley. So, 
that was good for this team and for the Houston Astros. Things really turned around in the sixth one. They got a Martin Maldonado three-run home run. That was his second of the campaign as for the San Francisco Giants. Bullpen game in this one. Trevor Cahill got the start. He didn't give them a lot of length. One and two-thirds innings. He didn't give up any runs, but he had four walks, which jacked up his pitch count. Derek Rodriguez wound up going in this game two and a third innings. He gave up one run. And the man that gave up these runs, Caleb Baragar. He winds up giving up four runs, and he records two outs in the process. Giants have certainly been going to the bullpen frequently, and when they go one of eight with runners in scoring position like they did in this one, it makes it a little bit of an uphill battle for them. What is a uphill battle as well as looking at the Baltimore Orioles in the AL East, who are now 9-7, 5-4. They take down the Philadelphia Phillies for the Phillies. Zach Eflin winds up giving up four runs over the course of six innings. He did get 10 strikeouts, but he also gave up a couple bombs. Anthony Santander, his fourth of the campaign. Rio Ruiz, his fourth. And then in the bullpen, Chan Sisko. Instead of the thong song he gave the I hit my second home run of the season song. And for the Baltimore Orioles, they really tested their bullpen in this one. Wade LeBlanc winds up giving up three runs over the course of three and a third innings. But how about what they were able to do from there? Miguel Castro gives up a run out of the bullpen. But you had Michael Givens being able to do a good job. Cole Solzer. You even got some good length out of Trey Lankins along with Sean Armstrong. So that was very big for this team. And then when you take a look at the Philadelphia Phillies, this is a bunch that they certainly have been able to get their offense going. But they didn't get any home runs in this one. And the bullpen continues to be a little bit of a nightmare as giving up on those home runs. Adam Morgan, he now has an ERA of a 10-13 out there in the bullpen. So certainly has not been the best of days for the Philadelphia Phillies, especially from a fielding perspective. And what else was very good? The Texas Rangers in the eighth inning. They wind up taking down the Seattle Mariners 7-4 for the Texas Rangers. They strike for a five spot in that eighth inning. They have now played in the ballpark in Arlington three out of their last four games of the over after they had just one over in that ballpark to begin the year. And for the Texas Rangers, they did wind up leaving 10 men on base, but they were benefited by some errors of the Seattle Mariners. You take a look at what they got in this game out of Taiwan Walker. It was actually pretty good. He goes six innings. He gives up one run, but it was an under run. Meanwhile, Eric Swanson came in from the bullpen, and he lit this game on fire. He gives up five runs in less than an inning. Joey Gerber also gave up a run out of the bullpen for the Mariners. They've got one of the worst bullpen ERAs that you're going to find in the league, and they're giving up the most runs per game of any team, and they left 10 men on base 0 of 7 with men in scoring position. Their scoring was really via two run shots and solo home runs. Daniel Vogelback, his second home run of the season, and Austin Nova also gets his second. Those were both off of Jordan Lyles, who did not have the start that he desired. He gave up four runs over the course of five innings, including those two bombs, but how about what the bullpen was able to do? Rafael Montero was able to get the save in this one, and then you had Brett Martin along with Jonathan Hernandez being able to provide scoreless innings along with Ian Gebaut. So that is very big for the Texas Rangers and for the Seattle Mariners. All but one out of their road games have went over so far this year. So that's what we all noticed from Major League Baseball on Wednesday. Now let's call in one of our buddies that we found out from the KBO. He does terrific work with covers. Andrew Cayley, he's going to be taking a look at Thursday's games with us. We're also going to get his thoughts on just what he's seen the first three or so weeks of the season in general as well. That's on the other side right here on the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Craig Peterson. Greg is calling in a pinch hitter from the Overtime Network Hotline. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. Always great to be joined by our next guest. I discovered him while we were doing a lot of KBO action on this podcast, and I'm still keeping up with my KBO picks. 
I always tweet those out on my Twitter feed at GNRSquarty1 every day. But with that said, Andrew Cayley, he's also done an, an absolutely terrific job. He's keeping up with ABO much like myself, but he's also transitioned to the MLB as well. He's a senior editor for covers. He does a little bit of everything for them. And he does so, so well. And he's a man that is a fan of the now Buffalo Blue Jays, the Toronto Raptors, and so many others. You can follow him on Twitter at covers underscore Cayley. That is spelled C-A-L-E-Y. Andrew, it is great to have you aboard today. How are you? I'm very excited to be back to talk some MLB baseball for a change. Not that I'm talking down the KBO. I've loved the KBO. It's been a lot of fun, but it's been nice to have Major League Baseball back, that's for sure. Absolutely. I'm right there with you. The KBO is a lot of fun. You can tell that it's not necessarily as high quality of baseball as the MLB, but you can tell that the guys have fun with it. And the most important part is they're passionate about it. That's all Mm -hmm. that you can really ask for out of these guys. But with that said, with Major League Baseball, we've been back for right around three weeks now, give or take a day. What's really been your thoughts on what we've seen so far this year? Because I think that there's really been a big premium on underdogs this year. It's just been so wild and crazy. They always say that one of the best underdog sports out there is Major League Baseball. It feels like that's on steroids this year because we've just seen so many teams as heavy favorites not be able to get the job done. Uh, The Miami Marlins are in first place in the National League East. The Colorado Rockies are in first place in the National League West. <laughs> like, and it, it's been a lot of the stuff. Baltimore has been one of the most money making teams Tigers. this year. The Tigers, who were one of my favorite over bets for their win total. Hopefully, teams. We can talk about that a little bit later about whether or not win totals will cash this season or not. But <laughs> they look fantastic and have been making people a lot of money too. It's been a topsy turvy, unpredictable. So it's been kind of like the KBO. <laughs> it's been a lot of unpredictability so far in this Major League Baseball season. It's been fun. It's been tough to handicap at times. These rosters are super deep right now. Taxi squads have them up to 60 men. I know like the Marlins are well, they're mostly healthy now, but they were down to some players I haven't exactly heard, and you're getting a lot of TBDs versus TBDs on the betting board, which is which always makes it difficult to handicap. I know that TBD has a pretty good fastball, but I don't know much about his change. Uh, <laughs> it's been interesting. I don't really know what to say. I haven't been that that's successful. I've done pretty good to tread water. You just really got to rely on what you know in these senses. And and luckily, three weeks in now, we're starting to get some numbers, which are bearing some fruit. Right now, to me, it clearly seems like pitchers have the edge as well. You like the underdogs. I think pitchers have an edge. There are so many teams out there that are just hitting so poorly. And like the average batting average is something like 220-something for all of Major League teams. None of these teams had a real spring training. They had their little summer camps or whatever, but most of them didn't face any real pitching that entire time. It's clear to me that the pitchers have the edge early on. Unders have been cashing in these non-extra inning games at about 55% of the time so far. It's been tough to predict. Yep, coming right from covers as I read it right now. Going into Wednesday's action, 55.17% is the percentage that unders are coming through so far this year in Major League Baseball. As we do have Andrew Cayley joining me on the podcast. And I was right there with you. I thought we would see a bevy of overs. And all of a sudden, we have seen a couple more overs this week. So that certainly has been holding true. And do you think that that could be a good approach? Because what we're noticing is that these bullpens towards the first couple weeks of the year, they were doing very solid. But with these pitchers just not going as deep into games, these bullpens are starting to get it very taxed. 
I'm looking at you, Houston Astros, and the San Francisco Giants. <laughs> and I'm also looking at the Pittsburgh Pirates, who have absolutely no idea what they're doing with manager Chris Shelton. There was one win total oh. that I gave out on this podcast. That was the Pittsburgh <laughs> Pirates under 25 wins. Right now, you're looking very good if you have that one. But, I mean, I'm just taking a look at this right now. And I do think that there's going to be a little bit more of a swing to the overs. And you got to think that the league-wide batting average is going to go up because you mentioned it. I'm a fan of the Milwaukee Birds. I have no idea what's going on right now with guys like Christian oh. Yelich and company. And we're even noticing it with balls in play. It's not even necessarily that these guys are punching out more than often. The balls in play just aren't finding the holes right now. No, it's not just the Brewers. It's a bunch of teams, like teams you'd expect to be good hitting. Everyone's preseason darring the Reds. They couldn't hit water. They fell on the boat, right? <laughs> like, that's not good. Oakland, like, they're not a great hitting team. But they're hitting 216 right now. The Angels, which were another team that, like, and even the Dodgers. The Dodgers are only hitting 231 as a team. Guys like Bellinger haven't been hitting that well. It's league-wide. So once these guys start getting maybe a month's worth of major league at-bats, which is kind of what you'd expect in a regular season then maybe we're going to see a return to these overs. And like you said, these bullpens are deep because a lot of these pitchers aren't going far in the games. Blake Snell, a guy, is like he only pitches about three innings a game right now. Hopefully they start stretching him out a little longer, but it's a trend that's going across the league. And like I said, we don't know a lot of these guys unless you're deep diving these minor league stats, which some of us are, <laughs> but it's interesting to see. We could see an uptick in overs. Hopefully these numbers drop a little bit coming forward thanks to all these unders, and then we can start attacking the overs. I completely agree with you, Andrew. And if there is a game that I'm going to be certainly attacking the under in on Thursday, that would be Pittsburgh Pirates and the Cincinnati Reds. The two worst teams when it comes to batting average in the National <laughs> League are going to be coming to the forefront. The Pittsburgh Pirates are coming off their hiatus due to them not playing against the St. Louis Cardinals. They were supposed to play a bunch of double dips and everything like that. Well, that did not wind up happening on the Pirates as a collective. <laughs> hitting 209 going into this game. Going into Wednesday, the Cincinnati Reds were hitting 208. The Cincinnati Reds now have Mike Moussakis on the 10-day injured list, so pretty much it's Nick Cassianos, occasionally Joey Votto, and then a bunch of other guys that are not doing anything. Meanwhile, for the Pittsburgh Pirates, Gregory Palanco has been terrible. Colin Moran, after getting a couple of runs, he's hitting at 226. I just take a look up and down this Pittsburgh Pirates lineup. There's not much to be had, and Trevor Williams is actually... Someone that, despite the fact that he's 0-3, he's looked a little bit better. And keep in mind, with Trevor Williams, the second half of the 2018 season, after the All-Star break, he actually had the best ERA in the league. I take a look at Anthony DiScalfani as well. Two scoreless starts so far this year. This is a spot where I like the under. Williams coming off one of the best outs of his career. Gave up just one run and three hits in a walk while striking at five over seven innings against the Twins. The Twins, another team that aren't hitting for very good average right now, but they're still hitting dingers like nobody's business. And DiScalfani pitched pretty well in his debut this year. Six scoreless innings, which was pretty good. So I have no problem with the under that both these teams can't hit. The Pirates, you keep going on about the Pirates, and I agree. That was my second favorite season win total, them going under. That is a team from all levels of management. They have no interest of winning all the way up to the ownership. They just have no interest in winning. So it's tough for the players because obviously there's some guys there that care quite a bit, but they just don't have the tools. And that's going to be a fun under bet for most of the year. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I just take a look at the Pittsburgh Pirates right now. It is absolutely brutal. What is not brutal is the San Diego Padres. They've got one of the more trustworthy bullpens that you're going to find. It's going to be Chris Paddock going against Julio Arias. Arias was supposed to go on Wednesday, wound up having his start pushed back today. And so many people forget with Arias, he was one of the big phenoms like five or so years ago. He winds up yep. having Tommy John surgery. So far this year, he looked pretty solid. Obviously, Chris Paddock. 
He's had a little bit of a rough go of it whenever he faced off against the LA Dodgers, but by and large, this is someone that has been very solid, and I think we both agree. Fernando Tatis Jr., while there are so many guys that have been unable to hit here in 2020, he has been able to hit. He has been absolutely terrific. As I'm seeing it right now, the Dodgers are about a minus 135 to minus 140 favorite. This could be a spot where I might be looking at the Padres. I know that Kirby Yates has opened himself so far this year. He's listed as day-to-day when it comes to his injuries, but I take a look at this Padres lineup, and they are certainly firing in all cylinders. I couldn't agree with you more on that one. I've been kind of looking, and this is one of the things I've been doing in this bizarro 2020 MLB season with a lot of these bullpen guys that I haven't heard about. So I've been eliminating that a lot, and I've been looking at five-inning matchups. And I like Paddock here. He's still getting plus money as a five-inning underdog here at minus 0.5 at about plus 117. I like that quite a bit. Paddock just passes the eye test as a starting pitcher. He's got the arm. He's got the physique. He's got a really easy release. And while you said he has had some issues with the Dodgers, I just think he's looked better of the two starting pitchers in this matchup. He's been good, but he's had to get himself out of a couple of jams here, and he hasn't been able to go as much as they'd probably like him to go. They've had to pull him early from a few starts, and that's why I think they push back and start to give him a little extra rest. And as you said, he was Dustin May before Dustin May, so they're still hoping for quite a bit from him, but I really like what you said about Tatis. The Padres' best players have been the Padres' best players, while the Dodgers have kind of relied besides guys like Mookie Betts, who I still don't understand why he's not a Boston Red Sox, but that's beside the point, and guys like Bellinger and Justin Turner, they're not firing on all cylinders yet, so with the Padres' players being their best players right now, I like them as an underdog as well. No question, as we do have Andrew Cayley of Covers joining me on the podcast, and then I think that this one is pretty interesting. We've got the Brewers hitting the road face off against the Chicago Cubs. Hugh Darvish is going to be taking the mound, and he's looked better ever since the second half of the 2019 season began. First half of 2019 was really bad, but his really lone hiccup this year came against the Milwaukee Brewers. He wound up giving up three runs over the course of four innings in that first start. That was a home start. You take a look at Fred Anderson. He was actually quite good during the 2019 season. He just does a good job of being able to get soft contact. So even if the wind is blowing out a little bit when it comes to Wrigley Field, I think that he's going to be well equipped for it. When I take a look at the Milwaukee Brewers, as I'm doing this podcast, finding them between right around plus 160, if you're lucky, right around plus 165. Might be a little bit of value here with the Brewers. They've had a good time of it being able to hit you, Darvish. And at some point, Christian Yelich is going to get his average above the Mendoza line. We know that this is an inevitability. I think that it could be on this day, especially with the Cubs being 11-3, and three, but having the worst bullpen ERA in the big leagues entering Wednesday. You stole my thunder there. You were going on about all this stuff, and I was like, oh, he's not going to mention the bullpen. I don't understand you know, another anomaly of this season. Cubs 11 and 3, but that bullpen ERA is as bad as they come. That's I will say, you know who's really pulling up that bullpen ERA? Craig Kimbrell. Oh my. This guy's terrible. I don't He's been like that for a few years now and I didn't understand. Well, Theo Epstein gets a lot of credit for a lot of things and deservedly so. He has not put together good bullpens for these Cubs teams the last few years, giving money to guys like Brandon Morrow and just hoping oh. other guys. <laughs> oh, he's right. Tyler Chatwood. <laughs> Tyler Chatwood and among others. It's interesting. I'm not sure if I like fading you, Darvish, here. he has looked better, but I don't like backing him either. This might be a stay away for me because at that price, like you, Darvish is a really kind of fickle guy. He's like, oh, he pitches well. On days that are above 80 degrees Fahrenheit and the wind is blowing in and he's on his home. Like, like he is a MLB trends guy's dream. Like, you find all the bright trends and you line them all up and you Darvish is your guy. 
But as Cubs fans know, and betters, uh, it can be very frustrating to back at times. No question, Andrew. And what is very frustrating is trying to figure out some of these guys that you've never heard of before. <laughs> I literally had to do research before I did this podcast on Kyle Hart, who apparently between AA and AAA during the 2019 season had a 12-13 record with an ERA a little bit north of 3-5. He is going to be making the start for the Boston Red Sox against Tyler Glasnow. I know that Tyler Glasnow certainly has not come out of the gates just absolutely guns blazing like he did last season, but... I take a look at this matchup. The Boston Red Sox are unbackable in this spot. The bullpen has been terrible. The lineup, you've got a couple guys that are hitting. Mitch Moreland has done a solid job. Xander Bogarts is able to give you something. Verdugo has come over. He's been good. And with the Rays, obviously, bats have not necessarily been stellar. But I just take a look at this Boston Red Sox pitching staff. This is exactly what the Rays need to get yeah, right. Yeah, and this is another team where their best players, Rafael Devers, another guy hitting below the Mendoza line. J.D. Martinez, not much better at 219. And like you mentioned it, they're starting Zach Godley, and they'll have to probably eat into the bullpen a lot. And then they'll have even less support for poor Kyle Hart. I also didn't know who he was, so thank you for doing that research. Like you said, unbackable. The Red Sox are just unbackable at this point. They're costing people a ton of money. And for me, like, go back and untrade for Mookie Betts and just change your whole attitude. I don't know. It's one of the most baffling decisions I can ever remember in baseball. I think it's going to change the course of their entire franchise. Yeah. Yeah, it certainly was not a good decision, to say the least. But, Andrew, getting you on this podcast is always a good decision. And is there anything else that you're looking at when it comes to the MLB, whether it be for Thursday or just moving forward? Just moving forward in general. I'm excited to see how run lines are doing with this extra inning thing. It's been really interesting to watch the home team's they definitely go for the small ball. Once you get to extra innings, they're going to try to advance that guy to third and then sacrifice fly or hard grab ball or whatever. And uh, while the road teams have really been trying to go for it and get multiple innings, we've seen a lot of scoring in some of these extra inning games now. And I think that it puts even more added value on run lines for teams on the road. So I'm going to keep my eye on that moving forward. I totally agree with you. It does change the whole element of the run line whenever you get a game into extra innings. And certainly if you get a home run in extra innings, you're at minimum going to get two runs unless if, well, something very strange happened or you already played in a run. So that is something that you do want to keep in mind. And Andrew, something I always keep in mind is the great work that you do over there at Covers. So let the good people at home know where they're able to follow you on social media. You can find me on Twitter at Covers underscore Kaylee. Still plugging away with the KBO. You can find articles on KBO, MLB. We break down at least three games every day and we do a game of the day type article. And then we also have every other sport you want covered right now from NHL to NBA. And we even got WNBA rolling. So whatever you want, come over to Covers and we got it for you. And they do absolutely great work over there with covers, and Andrew is a big part of that. So a big thanks to Andrew Cayley of Covers for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Podcast. Coming up next, it is that time the podcast to give you a side total on every game on Thursday's MLB betting board as we touch them all. Welcome back to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson as we're off to a quality start. And now it's time to walk it off in a grand fashion. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. A big thanks to Andrew Cayley of Covers for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast. I give you a sign total on every game on the Thursday MLB betting board as we... 
touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do you note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at JRSCourty1. We've got a little bit of a smaller card, and as far as I'm seeing, we don't really have any scratches, any off-the-board plays, or anything like that, aside from the total at Wrigley Field, so we should be free of a lot of landmines, and we're going to be beginning out there in the NL East with 951-952 on the betting board. Washington Nationals hitting the road to face off against the New York Mets. Austin Voth goes for the Nets. Meanwhile, you've got David Peterson on the bump for the New York Mets. Good last name, by the way. If you're looking at this total, it is 9. The over is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115. The under is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 110. If you're looking at the Mets, you're going to be finding them as low as about a minus 115, as high as a minus 130. Meanwhile, with the Nets, going to get as high as plus 120. Meanwhile, you're going to get as low as about a plus 105. And with Austin Voth, I actually like the way he's pitched so far this year. He's given up two earned runs over the course of his two starts and 10 total innings. I'm not sure why they don't let him go a little bit farther. He will give up a little bit of hard contact. He has given up two home runs so far this year, but by and large, he's been able to do a solid job. Meanwhile, with Mr. David Peterson, he's actually been a bright spot for a Mets team that, let's face it, they certainly do need them. He's made three starts so far this year. He's won at least five innings in every one of them. Three earned runs or fewer. Give it up in all three. This is someone that does a good job of being able to get some punch outs. Not a great job. 14 strikeouts in 16 and two-thirds innings. So, by and large, he's been able to do the job. Meanwhile, for the Washington Nationals, Juan Soto Everson's coming back from COVID. He's been terrific. He got a home run for the team on Wednesday. He's got four home runs. He's hitting above a 400. And really, you need everyone else to pick things up around him. As Drupal Cabrera and Sterling Castro, both hitting right around a 300. Eric Thames is hitting right around a 220, though. Victor Robles has been a little bit up and down. Trey Turner down for what? Got a home run in the series as well, so that's been helpful. But Adam Eaton hitting a 212, that's a little bit of an issue. And then when you take a look at the New York bets, you've got a couple guys are actually hitting for a decent average. Michael Conforto, J.D. Davis, Jeff McNeil, and also a little bit of an unknown gentleman in Luis Galorme. Hopefully I'm saying that one correctly. They're all hitting a 290 or greater. Pete Alonso has been in a mighty scuffle for the team, but he won 3 for 4 for the team on Wednesday. Perhaps that'll get him jump-started. He got his third home run the campaign. Billy Hamilton has been just a complete waste. He's got as many hits as I do, but Andres Jimenez has come to the forefront. He's been able to do a solid job for the team. What you need to keep in mind with the Mets, though, is that they wound up having a bullpen game on Wednesday. This means that Dylan Matanzas, Jurisic Familia, who actually went two innings and got the win. I don't know what world I'm living in. That's clearly how strange 2020 is. Brad Brock and so many other guys wound up getting used in this game. Meanwhile, for the Washington Nationals, they are going to have some more of their trustworthy guys like Sean Doolittle and Danny Hudson available in this game. So, I do think that that's critical. I think that Voss is going to be able to give a good start. And this is a game that is going to be a matinee game. It starts at 10.10 a.m. Pacific time when you're taking a look with regards to Eastern time. That is 1.10. So, the bats might be a little bit sleepy in this one. I'm going to wind up taking it under because I think that we've got two sneaky starters. I certainly do think that the Nationals are going to wind up stranding some men on base, but I think that they have just enough to be able to get the job done, so we are going to be going with the Nationals in this spot, and we're going to be going with this total under. 9.53, 9.54 on the betting board is up next. You've got yourself the Milwaukee Brewers, and they're going to be hitting the road face off against the Chicago Cubs. Going for the Cubs is going to be you, Darvish. Meanwhile, for the Milwaukee Brewers, it is Brett Anderson. You've got no total on this game since it is being played at Wrigley Field. Meanwhile, if you're 
taking a look at the Ruker, you're going to be finding as low as a plus 155, as high as about a plus 165. Meanwhile, with the Cubbies, you're going to be finding as high as about a minus 180. You're going to be finding it, if you're lucky, as low as about a minus 168-ish. And this is a situation in which I do think that the Brewers can be sneaky. In 19 out of the lives, 22 starts in 2019 for Brett Anderson. He wound up being able to provide a quality start. This is not someone that is going to get a whole bunch of swings and misses, but he does a good job of being able to get some ground balls. He's able to get some soft contact. That's something that you're really looking for. If you're looking at the early win prognosis, it looks like there's not going to be a lot of wind from what I was seeing. It was probably going to be like five to seven mile per hour winds and blowing in a little bit. So that really shouldn't be too much of a factor in this one. Obviously, if that changes, I will notate that because we obviously don't have any total on this game. But for you, Darvish, you wound up having a little bit of a rough start against the Milwaukee Brewers, like I mentioned with our good buddy, Andrew Cayley. But by and large, he's been able to do a good job. Ever since the all-star break of 2019, he's got an ERA below a 3-5. 2-1-2 ERA so far this year. Really, other than that start against the Milwaukee Brewers, he's been rock solid. And for the Brewers... At some point, the bats have got to break out. The question is when. You've got Christian Yelich who's hitting a buck seventy-five. Luis Arias has actually been solid. He's hitting a three seventy-five, so he's given this team a little bit of something. And he's the only guy that wound up getting in at bat on Wednesday that is currently hitting above a two eighty-six. The other is Orlando Arcia. You've got Ryan Braun, Ben Gamble, Omir Nervias, Brock Holt, Eric Sogard. All these guys hitting at 210 or lower. It's absolutely pitiful. Oh, Justin Spokes hitting below the Mendoza line as well. Not a shock there. Meanwhile, for the Chicago Cubs, this is a bunch that they looked pretty good in their series against the Cleveland Indians. Anthony Rizzo now has four home runs so far this year. Not hitting for the best of average, but Jason Award is able to get online as well. You've got Ian Happ along Jason Kipnis, both hitting above a 300. I certainly like what they're doing. Avi Bias has been a little bit up and down, but it seems like he's starting to get things right a little bit. Kyle Schwarber has been used a little bit more as a pinch hitter, so you gotta think that he's going to be maintained a little bit better. He should be a little bit more fresh. And Victor Garantini has done a good job of getting on base as well. The big fear, though, is that Cubs bullpen. I do think that we're going to have a solid pitcher's duel here. I think that Brad Anderson is going to be able to keep the ball in the yard. And I think that what is going to be the undoing for the Cubs is the fact that they just don't have a bullpen at this point. Meanwhile, for the Milwaukee Brewers, though they got completely crushed against the Minnesota Twins, they preserved a lot of their good bullpen arms. Josh Hader is going to be available in this one and so many others. So for that reason, we're going to be looking at the Brewers in this spot, and with the total, it's one of those things where you gotta check back on my Twitter feed. If I'm seeing a total of, like, north of 9, especially if the wind is blowing in. If the wind's blowing in and you're seeing a total north of 9, certainly gonna be looking at the under, but hard to give you anything right now since we don't have set numbers. 9.55, 9.56 on the betting board. You got the Philadelphia Phillies, and they're gonna be playing also the Baltimore Orioles. You've got Tom Shellman, who is gonna be going for the Baltimore Orioles. Jake Arrieta goes on the bump for the Philadelphia Phillies, who are finding themselves as a pretty significant favorite in this spot. With the Phillies, you're going to be finding them as low as a minus 180, as high as minus $2. Meanwhile, the Baltimore Orioles, you're going to find them as high as about a plus 175 to a plus 180. On the low end, you're going to be finding them more in the neighborhood of about a plus 160. Meanwhile, your total on this game is 9. The over is just anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The under is anywhere between even a minus 110. Seeing a couple tens pop up there as well with the tens. Under is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. The over is anywhere between even a minus 105. And I certainly think that Jake Arrieta is a little bit more trustworthy than Thomas Shellman. With his Shellman, he actually didn't look absolutely terrible in his last start, 
but I just credit that to the Washington Nationals just not being able to get much offense whatsoever. He winds up going four innings against the Nats. He winds up giving up two runs. This is someone that gave up more than two home runs per nine innings during the 2019 season. He just doesn't have a lot of velocity on his fastball, and this is a Philadelphia Phillies team that they're absolutely raking right now. JT Ryumito already has five home runs so far this season. Bryce Harper has been able to do a solid job for this bunch as well, obviously losing a pair of games to the Baltimore Orioles. You've got to think is going to anger this team a little bit, and you need a couple guys to pick it up with the batting average. Andrew McCutcheon, Neil Walker, Reese Hoskins, these guys are all hitting below the Mendoza line, but Jay Bruce has been doing a good job, and then you've been able to get something out of Phil Gosselin. He's hitting above a 400, and Andrew Knapp in very limited at bat, 625. I think that that's going to be going down a little bit, but with that said, this is a team that's gotten off to a good start, but look at the Baltimore Orioles. Jose Iglesias, he's hitting in the three spot, which is surprising, but 372 batting average. He's been good. Chance Cisco wound up going yard for this team on Wednesday, so he was doing the going yard song instead of doing the thong song, but I think it's a good adjustment for the Baltimore Orioles. Now you got Chris Davis, who's hitting once again below 200. That's to be expected, but Hanser Alberto has actually formed himself into being one of the better leadoff men in the league with Jake Arrieta. This is someone that you gotta think is probably gonna give you right around five to six innings, give up two to three runs. He's actually looked solid so far this year in two starts. He's won a grand total of 11 innings in his last start against Atlanta. He gave up zero runs. He wound up giving up three against the Yankees, but we all know the Yankees are capable of, and we also know this. The Philadelphia Phillies bullpen, less than reliable. The Baltimore Orioles, they wound up using Miguel Castro up in back-to-back days, so they're going to be a little bit depleted as well. I think that runs are going to be a plenty in this spot, and I think that once again, we are going to see a little bit of higher scoring game, but this time with the Philadelphia Phillies being able to get to a shellman. So, we're going to be taking this total over, and we are going to be riding with the Phillies on the run line. If you're looking at a Phillies run line, you're going to be finding this more around even to minus 110. I think it's a good value. They should be able to win by 2+. plus. 957-958 on the betting board is up next. You've got the Boston Red Sox, and they are going to be playing also the Tampa Bay Rays. You've got yourself Tyler Glasnow, who's going to be going for the Tampa Bay Rays. Meanwhile, for the Boston Red Sox, like I said, I had to do a little bit of research on this guy, but it is going to be one Kyle Hart on the bump for the Boston Red Sox. If you're looking at this total, it is moving a little bit as a result, and I'm seeing it currently at 9.5 pretty much across the board. With a 9.5, under is just a minus 115 to minus 120. Over is anywhere between even and minus 105. Seeing some 9s out there as well. With the 9s, these are very heavily juiced. The 9 has over of juice of minus 125, and the under is plus 105. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the hot shell rays, you're going to be finding them anywhere between minus 150 and minus 160. With Boston, you're going to be finding them anywhere between plus 150 and plus 140. And this is a situation in which I've just got to be taking a look at the Tampa Bay Rays. This is exactly what the offense needed, this series right here. They have now scored eight-plus runs in each out of their last three games. And if you take a look back to that double dip, they have now played five out of their last six games to the over. So this is a team that all of a sudden is getting kick-started. You've got Austin Meadows, who's returning from COVID-19. Hasn't necessarily looked like himself, but Brandon Lyle hitting a little bit above a 300, four home runs. You've even got a couple guys like Yashimoto Tsutsogo, who comes over from the MPB. He's been able to give this team a little bit of something when he's been out there. I believe that he wound up having a home run already in this series, which is big, his second of the campaign. And for the Boston Red Sox, this is a team that they're capable of putting bat to ball. You've got to think that Rafael Devers and Andrew Benatendi are going to do a little bit better than the batting average that they posted so far this year. They're both hitting below a 200 and even past that, you've got someone like a Jackie Bradley Jr., J.D. Martinez. They're both hitting below a 230, but that J.D. Martinez Grand Slam should be able to get the same kickstarter. Christian Vasquez already has four home runs so far this year. He's been at a little bit of a rut and Xander Bogarts is hitting a 293, but when you take a look at this Boston Red Sox team, Ryan Weber just completely saved the day for this team. Six innings of one-run baseball. This after our good friend Zach Ungodly Awful 
was exactly what his name says, ungodly awful. He wound up giving up eight runs over the course of three innings with the Tampa Bay Rays. Obviously, you've got a much better bullpen. They did wind up using a bullpen game a few days ago, but most of their guys should be ready to go because they just haven't been taking Tyler Glasnow along with Blake Snell very deep. You saw with Blake Snell in the game against the Boston Red Sox yesterday that he wound up pitching five innings. That was really his longest start of the year. And then when you take a look at Glasnow, he hasn't necessarily looked right so far here in 2020. 5-5-6 ERA. He has 11 and a third innings, logged in three starts. He's got 19 punch outs, but the eight walks is a little bit unsightly. I do think that he still needs to work some things out. So I do think that the Red Sox are going to be able to muster some offense, but I just have absolutely no faith in the young starter of the Boston Red Sox, despite the race being a little bit lackadaisical on offense so far this year. I think it should be a buck kicking, and I'm going to be taking a look at the Tampa Bay race. A little bit unsure as whether go money line or run line. Probably going to go money line, but this might wind up being a run line play when it's all said and done. And I'm certainly going to be taking a look at the over as well. 959-960 on the betting board is up next. We've got my New York Post play of the day as the Pittsburgh Pirates are going to be walking the plank to Cincinnati as we are on to Cincinnati, and they are going to be facing off against the Red Legs. If you're taking a look at the Cincinnati Reds, you're going to be having Anthony D. Scalfani on the mound, and he's going to be going up against Trevor Williams. And with the Reds, they are a pretty big favorite in this spot. You're finding them as low as minus 175, as high as a minus 190. Meanwhile, with the Buccos, you're going to be finding them as low as about a plus 160, as high as more around a plus 170-ish, and your total on this game is 9. With the 9, the over is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. The under is anywhere between even a minus five seeing a nine and a half as well with that nine and a half under is minus 120 and the over is even and I do think that this is going to be a good spot for the under you take a look at Trevor Williams like I was talking about with our good buddy Andrew Cayley he wound up having the best ERA in the big leagues in the second half of 2018 after the all-star break he's been off to a little bit of a better start he wound up giving up one run in his last start against the fearsome Minnesota Twins that's very good and both these teams are inning at 210 or lower so you've got a bunch of scuffling bats Mike Moussakis currently out of the fold for the Cincinnati Reds and the Reds had their opportunities against the Kansas City Royals on Wednesday and they just were unable to cash in. Shogo Akiyama's doing a little bit of a better job of getting on base. More around a 350 on base. Nick Cassianos has seen his average dip a little bit but this is someone that's got seven home runs. He's been able to do a very solid job but Freddie Galvis, Kyle Farmer, Nick Senzel, Joey Votto, all these guys hitting between a 210 and a 230. Jesse Winker has been solved for the scene but Eugenio Suarez is hitting a buck 15. He's drawn some walks but him hitting a buck 15 is not good. Meanwhile, you take a look at the Pittsburgh Pirates. You really don't have much to be had with this team. Kevin Newman is sitting at 250. Josh Bell has been doing a little bit of a better job of driving in some runs recently, but you just take a look at this punch. I mean, Adam Frazier is hitting below a 200. You've got Brian Reynolds, Cole Tucker, JT Riddle, Gerard Dyson, Murphy at the catcher spot. All these guys are hitting at 200 or lower. And what's really bad for the team is that it looked like they had finally found something with Philip Evans. He winds up getting injured. He was hitting above a 350 for this team. There's just not much to be had with the Pittsburgh Pirates. And with Anthony D. Scalfani, two scoreless outings in his first two starts of the year. 11 total innings. Only eight strikeouts. He's a little bit more of a strikeout guy, but he's also only given up one walk. He has been very impressive. I just don't know if the Pittsburgh Pirates are even going to be able to get two runs on the board in this spot. I'm going to be taking a look at the Reds on the run line. You're finding this right around even money. You might be able to get a little bit of a plus price if you're very lucky, but I'm seeing a lot of even money. Heck, even a couple places are moving more around minus 105 and minus 110, but I certainly do think that there's value. This is a Pittsburgh team that is currently 
dead last in the MLB when it comes to win percentage at a 3 and 13 mark. So we're going to be taking the Reds on the run line and we are going to be taking the total under as well. Next one is a skip 961, 962 on the bank board. This was supposed to be the St. Louis Cardinals and the Chicago White Sox. Thanks COVID-19. This is a game that's currently postponed. And now we wrap things up with 963, 964 on the betting board. The LA Dodgers are going to be playing with the San Diego Padres. Chris Paddock is going to be going for the pods. Meanwhile, Julio Arias is going to be going for the LA Dodgers. If you're looking at the Dodgers, you're going to be finding them as a pretty substantial favorite here. You're going to be finding them as low as about a minus 133, as high as minus 140 with the Padres. You're going to be finding them as low as a plus 120, as high as a plus 130. And your total on this game is 8.5. Under is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115. Over is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 110. And I think that this is a very good spot here for the San Diego Padres. I do like what Paddock has been able to do. He's gotten a lifetime ERA hovering right around five against the Dodgers in four starts, but that is obviously one of the better lineups that you're going to find with Paddock so far this year. He's been absolutely terrific. 22 and two-thirds innings over the course of his four starts. 3-1-8 ERA, so he's given you at least five innings in every one of these starts. Now, he has given up at least a home run in each out of his last three starts, so he's a little bit prone to the long ball. Gave up three runs over the course of six innings in his last start at home against the Dodgers, but this is a Dodgers team that, by and large, he just haven't been able to generate a lot of offense. It's been very strange to watch him operate because you've got a bunch of guys hitting below a 200 right now. Cody Bellinger, Jock Peterson, Max Muncy, along with Will Smith and Austin Barnes, all hitting below that Mendoza line. Now, with A.J. Pollock, he has cooled down a little bit, but he's still hitting at 275. He certainly has been able to do a solid job for this team. Mookie Betts is hitting at 280. He's been very good. Justin Turner down for what? Not hitting too many home runs right now, but he's been solid at getting on base, and Kike Hernandez has been solid at being able to give this team a little bit of something. But then you take a look at what the Padres are able to provide. Fernando Tatis Jr. did not have his best of days on Wednesday, but he is hitting above a 315, along with Jake Cronenworth. And you got to think at some point, Tommy Pham, Manny Machado, and Trent Grisham are going to pick up their averages. They're all hitting below a 240 with Eric Hosmer. You wound up having a pinch hitting role for the team on Wednesday. You got to think that he's going to be starting in this one. Meanwhile, you do have a couple of famine bats towards the bottom of the fold. Francisco Mejia, Austin Edges, Drixon Profar, Josh Naylor, all these guys are hitting at 200 or lower. But when you take a look at the Padres as well, despite the fact that Kirby Yates is a little bit banged up, you still have a very good bullpen. Craig Saman wound up getting used up on Wednesday, but you still have so many guys like Emilio Pagan, Matt Stram and company. They're able to do a good job. And for the Dodgers, their bullpen has been pretty solid. They did have to go to it quite a bit because Tony Gonsolin was and able to give them five strong with Gonsolin. He's just never really a guy that's going to give you a lot of length. So Pedro Baez and Blake Tryon probably not going to be available in the pen. But regardless, I think that it's going to be a lower scoring game. I do like what Julio Arias is able to bring to the fold. 240 ERA, 15 innings. So he's not giving a ton of length. He has been able to give up a couple walks, but he's been able to keep the ball in the yard. I think that this is going to be a low scoring game. But in the end, trusted Paddock and that bullpen a little bit more. So we're going to be taking the under and we're going to be taking the San Diego Padres. And that will wrap things up for the Baseball Betting Podcast on this. Thursday. A big thanks to our man Andrew Kaylee of Covers for joining me in the last segment. If you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. And if you ever have any questions for the podcast, right into my timeline at Jerry's41. Hopefully you're all safe, healthy, and doing well, and I will talk to you guys once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.